You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So I don't know if you know this, but if you don't know it, you're going to know it today. Uh, I plan out my sermon series usually six months in advance. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll go three months, but I, I like to be ahead in, in where the Lord's directing me so I can start getting ready for each series. And one of the very interesting things about every year is I find that a lot of my pastor friends or other churches are doing a very similar series. And it's like the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church in general about a certain Bible book or a certain topic. And I just think that God works that way. Um, so I had been praying, uh, even in the, the, the last year, in 2023, about doing a series in the book of Genesis. And um, I found that there were several that were in our area, good friends of mine, pastor friends, that are doing a series in Genesis. And uh, I think that's pretty cool, you know, to see that the Lord's speaking to his people in that way. Uh, last year we had, a, I mean last year, last Sunday, we had a wonderful, wonderful guest speaker, uh, Scott Gillis, who, who brought uh, some, some wonderful information from God's word about the validity of, uh, of, of Genesis and how it debunks uh, even scientific or uh, people with an atheistic mindset or leaning and how uh, the creation account from the Bible is a lot more valid than it is from scientific outside of the Bible. Not, that, not, not saying that science is not good or needed, it is needed, but true science is observable and repeatable. Remember that, always remember that. True science is observable or, and repeatable. So what does that tell us about the creation account or uh, evolution account? We weren't there. And so both of them are a faith system. I'll never forget being in a, in a biology class in, in college and the biology professor was talking about evolution. And as he started to speak on this subject, I said in front of the, the class of very young students, because I had gone back to school after the mine had shut down, and I had gone back to, to get my uh, theology degree, so I went to a secular college to start, which is crazy. It's, it's, all, it's a God thing. Um, but I remember being in the class, and he started to teach on, on uh, evolution. And I said, Mr. Bunkelman, that was his name, this is a theory, correct? And he said, yes, it's a theory. Every single student there coming out of high school said, what? It's a theory? I thought it was a fact. True science is observable and repeatable. So when you talk about what, how we were created or how we evolved, whatever, whatever thought that you have, you need to know that it's a faith system because we were not there to observe or repeat. But we find in the biblical narrative that you have more to stand on because of one person. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to reveal the unknown God. And he did miracles that no one has ever done. And the greatest miracle that Jesus Christ did is he rose from the, from the dead. Now, I will listen to anyone that has risen from the dead. Truly listen. Amen? And so, so from that, um, it, it, it takes us to uh, Jesus, his words, he really spoke a lot about the validity of, of the Old Testament, especially Genesis. And so as we read through Genesis, as we go through uh, wherever the Lord directs us right before Easter, um, I believe Genesis because Jesus said Genesis is true. Amen. I believe the words of Christ, and I believe in, in, a, in a literal six-day, 24-hour creation account, that the world was created in, in six days, 24 hours. And so we are going to be reading that today, and, and, and my prayer is that you're going to be taking away something that's going to strengthen your faith, 
in, in God, in the Bible, and especially in Jesus Christ. So we're going to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read in verse 1. We're going to go ahead and just, we're going to read the whole chapter. So I'm going to do a lot of reading from the Bible. If you have a Bible, please pull it out right now. If you have a, a Bible app, pull the Bible app right now. I want you guys to be thinking biblically. And, uh, and then uh, it'll be up on the screens. And it's in, it's in your, I don't think it's in your outline because it was way too much to put on the outline. But it will be on the screen. So here's how, it, this, here's how Genesis begins. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm going to read that again because I think this is the most important verse in the whole Bible. Just by saying, in the beginning, God. Can we say that together? In the beginning, God okay, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. I want you, if you've got your Bible or you've got in some way, right, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. There you find the, the third person of the Godhead. When we start thinking about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God, three persons, one God. Do you see that? Then God said, let there be light. Now God is speaking the, the, the world into existence. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came Marking the first day. Everyone go like this. Day one. Okay. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. And God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. And God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. We have a sky that, that, that comes to the church, right? She's here with us right now. This is before you were named sky. We had sky. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so that dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants, and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their, their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water, and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. I'm going to pause right there because I think there's something important that needs to be said. Every bone, every fossil that has ever been discovered, God created. Everything that we see, even the things that we don't see, God 
created. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, every, uh, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each capable to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let, <laughs> let us, Elohim, the plurality of God, let us make humans, human beings in our image to be like us. That's next week. We're going to talk about that. But I want you to see the plurality right there. When you look at the plurality, I want you to think Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They will reign over fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Notice what it says about human beings. You will reign. Your dog didn't name you, you named it. Animals... Oh, boy, be careful what you say, PJ. <laughs> they don't look for hunting season. Animals, we do. Because we we're called to subdue the earth, okay? And God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. And everyone said, Amen. It's a great thing. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And how many of us have ever planted a fruit tree? How many of us don't have to because we can go to Walmart and go to, the, go to the produce section? How many of you know that that produce section, someone planted those fruits? And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. What happened on the seventh day? God rested. As I look at this narrative, I want to give you guys some, uh, some takeaways. And there's so much. We could, we could, in the first verse, we could take the whole sermon. We could make, probably make a series out of the first verse. But there's, there's some things that stood out to me that I, that I want for you to, to consider and my prayer for each one of us is that we're going to grow in our faith. You know, last week as uh, Scott was teaching and preaching, I had takeaways that I had never taken away from that text and the things that he said. He said some things that were marvelous. And, and I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak things through, through me, just like anyone who's communicating the word of God, that's going to produce in you a, a, a thought that is a God thought, that you're going to know something leaving today that you never knew before. The, the first thing that I want us to consider is this, that the six days of creation reveal that God is the creator and he's the sustainer of everything that we see in life. And I think that the first and most important thing of the Genesis narrative is that God is the creator and the sustainer of everything in the cosmos. In fact, God is the main character of this book. From beginning to end, it's not about Adam and Eve. It's not about Abel and Cain. It's not about every single person in that genealogy. It's all about God. 
And when you understand that this world is not as much about us as it is about God and his perfect plan and his goodness, then you can live your life on a good foundation. See, this building right here, it, 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 the, the, the walls, they're nice, and, and the ceiling, it's nice, and the lights that are hung, they're, they're, they're nice, but without a proper foundation, these walls are going to lean, and eventually they're going to fall. And that's how our life is without having God as our foundation. And the book of Genesis teaches us that it's all about God, that he is the one that not only creates, but he's the one who sustains He's the one that out of chaos brought order. So many people focus on things that will lead them away from God instead of allowing them to, to find God. Uh, I, I really believe that the devil works in the hearts and the lives of people. He, he will always, when he does, try to take God out of the narrative of your life. He's okay if you focus on the sun. He's all right if you focus on the moon. He's all right if you focus on the stars. In fact, there's people that look to the stars to get the answers in their life. Instead of going to the one who created the stars. Let me say this to you. If you, in any way, you look to the stars or you look to channel things, because I know that there's got to be someone here today or someone that's watching that you have a horoscope or you look at things like that, let me tell you, all of that is fallacy. What you need to know is right here. All of that is deception. It's a work of, of, of the enemy. The, 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 you know, it'll take you, you'll focus on the Big Bang, you'll focus on all these different things. When we make God the main character, we lay a foundation that supports everything instead of vice versa, trying to make everything support God. God doesn't need support. He is support. He's the main foundation of the cosmos and humanity. Let's look at this, this uh, first two verses real quick. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You got to settle that. I, I, I'm going to say that again. You have got to settle that for yourself. Because he, if he did not create the heavens and the earth, then you have to scratch your head trying to find out who did. And if it came from a big bang, where'd that big bang come from? There's, there's a lot more faith at stake when you're trying to find who created a big bang than when you say a perfect, supreme God and supreme designer created everything that we have. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. You, it just, it just, when, when I see the, 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 the work of God, the, 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 way that he, the way that he does things, the way that, that, that Jesus comes, comes it later on, and, and he revealed the, the, the invisible God, and he proved himself to be God in that he did miracles that no one else has done. And he spoke words that no one else has spoken. But the, 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 the kind of the exclamation point is that when death came at him and he took, he took, his, he took our place in, in his death on the cross at Calvary, he defeated death. And this is what it, what's, what it, this is what it says in John 1, 1 verse, well, I mean, sorry, John 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, in the beginning was the word. It says, John, starting out the gospel of John. The word is Jesus, okay? In the beginning was a word, or the word already existed, as the NLT says. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed, the word being a he, that's Christ. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through Jesus. Are you with me? So, so the word, the logos, the meaning of everything is, ex is exposed to us, is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. That makes sense? 
Jesus brings the Genesis narrative into human form. He helps us to understand the Godhead. He brings clarity to verse 2 of Genesis 1, where it says that the Holy Spirit hovered over the surface of the waters. He gives us understanding. Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, put it like this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He, Christ, Jesus, existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Okay, so go back to Genesis. You see that God spoke. God spoke the word. The word was, was, was creating. The logos was, he already existed. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. So what does that teach us, beloved? That, that there's a Super Bowl going on here, but there's also a Super Bowl being played up in the heavens. And guess who wins? God. Because of Jesus. It teaches me that not only did God create, God also sustains. You know what it teaches me? That no matter what we're going through, God is going to be there for us. That there's not a problem bigger than him. It teaches me that not only does he sustain my, my physical world, he sustains what's going on in the, in the, in the spiritual world. God, when, when you say, I don't understand what's going on, God is the only one that will give you understanding. Because he sees what's in front of the veil, he also sees what's behind it. He's the premise of wisdom and understanding. The psalmist in Psalm 33 put it like this, verses 6 through 9. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea and its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Doesn't that go along with Genesis? Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. How many of you are in awe of God? I think that some people are more in awe of people in the Super Bowl than you are of God Almighty. Of the one who created every, everything that you see and everything that you don't see. For, for when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. And beloved, you have to settle this in your heart and in your mind for your life to begin to make sense. I think about how amazing God is. I, I, I can't explain the grandness of God in his totality, but I'll tell you right now that, that my faith in God allows for me to see glimpses all the time. Let me tell you about the thoughts that I, that I get, and you can tell me the thoughts that you, that you get one of these days. But I'm, I'm spending time with the Lord. I'm driving the other day. Lord, I don't, Lord you're, you're omnipresent, Lord God. That's so big. That means that God is everywhere at all times. That's kind of boom. Omnipresent. That means that Mar, in Mars right now, in Venus, in, 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 in Saturn, God is there. And I was driving, and I say, Lord, I, I, I don't understand, Father, but give me a glimpse of understanding. And then he just, I had this thought, and I started thinking about oxygen. Oxygen. You can measure oxygen. And they're breathing that same element in China right now that we're breathing it here. It's oxygen. It's the same. Now, oxygen is not God, but God created oxygen. And just the way that oxygen is in every place in, on the earth, in every place that people are alive, you cannot live without oxygen. God produced it. 
Hydrogen's even greater than that. Hydrogen, they find that in every place, even places where oxygen is not. It's a gas that's everywhere. That's a God that we get to worship. And that same oxygen that is produced all over the world, he gives that to me so that I can worship him. So I have to settle, I have to settle this, and I have, thank the Lord, I have. It's by faith that, I, that I've settled it, that I believe that everything that the Bible says is true. And it has sustained my life for the last 30 years that I've been walking with Jesus Christ. He has got me through the good, the bad, and the ugly. He has gotten me through things that only God could get me through. Can I tell you why he's done that? Because he's God. And I've settled that I'm not God. I've settled that I need him every day. I've settled that he does a better job in my life than I could ever do. And some of you guys are at that place. I, I, I learn a little bit more. As I, every, every time I open up the pages of Scripture, I learn a little bit more. I learn that he transcends time. How do, how do I know that? How does God transcend time? He created it. So uh, the creator is always over what he, whatever he creates. When he said day one, that wasn't for him. He's over that. It's for you. When he says day two, that's not for him. It's not like if God says, oh, I need, I need two days. He transcends it. He's over it. It's for you. When he, when he called the light, well, first of all, he is light. So he called the light into this chaos. Now, I was just saying, Lord, give me a little bit of understanding because here's the thing. Wherever God is, there's, there's perfection. So he's teaching us that for somehow, some, some in his, in his in infinite wisdom, in his, in his incredible beauty and, and, and majesty, that, that God somehow, he designed this where he was going to call himself. He was going, he's already, he's already been, he's, he's eternal, eternal, eternity past, eternity present, eternity future. God is eternal. He, he, he didn't have a beginning and he will never have an end. But somehow he said, I'm calling light out of the chaos and the darkness. I'm calling it, not for him, but for you. See, you would never know light until you've known darkness. You would never know tomorrow until you know today. You will never know last hour until you know this hour. See, God does know it. You see, we, we, we have drones that we put together. We drones, and you go to that drone, and they, the drone can see what's going on on the other side of Oracle. You can't. Now, people design drones, but get, let me tell you something. God's seed is in the heavens. He sees tomorrow just like he sees yesterday. You see, don't humanize God. We'll talk about that next week. Don't, see, we try to, you, you think about God and you want to put him in a body. And the only reason that Jesus came was he came to reveal the Father. And he came and took on a body, but don't humanize Jesus either. Even though he's a person. He existed before people. Are you with me? And he wasn't limited. He, 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 he humbled himself to become like us so that he could take on what we can't. So that he could win the battle that we can't win. But God isn't like us. Amen? So, so, so you, have to, you have to settle that he's a the creator of the cosmos. Okay? So let me say something to you. It doesn't matter who wins in the 2024 election. Let me just, let me, let me give you a little bit of peace. 
God is still in control. Let me give you some peace. Now, this is what God does in his people. This is what God does in his people right here, okay? First of all, you got to settle that he's creator and he's sustainer. That helps you because that's a foundation. So no matter what you're facing in life, it's not bigger than God. But then he begins to bring order and structure. Here's your second takeaway. The, the six days of creation reveal that God is a God of order and structure. Look at day one. He called the light, right? Day two, he, made the, he, 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 he brought sky into, he separated the waters, right? And then day three, he brought productivity from land, and this productivity, the, the seed-bearing plants, began to sustain, uh, uh, he, brought, he brought these, these, these day three, he brought the, the, the trees, the, the, the fruit-bearing plants, okay? But then, okay, day one, day two, day three, very orderly. And then day four, and day four, he fills day one. So he says, one, two, three. Okay, now day four is going to fill day one. He, he made the, the, the light that governs the day, and the, night, the, the, the light that governs the night is actually reflecting the light of the day. Can I tell you why, beloved? Because God's a God of order. He's telling some of you, pick up your socks from the floor. He's telling some of us, you know, clean out your shed. He's telling some of us, you know, to, to, to do things a little bit different. Day, day, day five, day five, he, he, he separated, he added sky, separated the waters, day, day two. Day five, he fills the sky with birds, and then he fills the waters with fish. Why did he do that? Because he's a God of order and structure. Day, day three, he brought land and the seed-bearing plants, right? Day six, he, she shows that, that he brought animals, and then he brought humans, and, and he, 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 he shows how this productivity of the land will sustain humans and animals. You know what it teaches me? That God is a God of order and structure and that God will always take care of me. Are you with me? Now, beloved, this is important for you because God is not a God of chaos. When, there, when there's chaos in your life, step closer to God. Step away from the chaos. Step out, if there's confusion in your life, step away from the confusion. Get closer to God. Right? Here, here's what I know. That God found James Reese in chaos. But he called me out of there. You, you, you cannot keep living in the chaos. You can, but you're never going to walk in the victory that God has for you. Amen? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he's talking about a church service that there should be order and structure. And he's talking about going into a church service where everybody's speaking in tongues and they're, 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 there's just no, no order and no structure. And they were proud about that, but he's saying people are going to come in and they're going to they're hear you and it's going to be like you're babbling. And, and they're going to think you're crazy. And that's why in our church services, we follow this, this, this call that, that a church service should be edifying. Amen? You should be able to understand what, what people are saying. You should be able to, 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 to relate to it. And, and Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33 says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the meetings of God's holy people. So you know when God is here, when there's what? Peace and order. Are you with me? I know where God is because there's always peace and order. And when there's chaos in my life, guess what I need to do? I need to walk away from the chaos to God's peace. 
I need to submit to the structure of God. See, sometimes people don't submit to the structure of God. He's trying to realign you into his structure and his order. I love the way that, uh, that Sophia Bricker put it in, uh, in her article that, that is, Why is God a God of Order? It says this, um, and she, she wrote this in Christianity.com. She said, the reason so many people desire tidiness and order in their homes, relationships, and lives is because God created everything with order. And, and this is important right here because, see, when, you're, when your relationship is chaotic, you need to move your relationship closer to God. Are you with me? And I can testify to this because before Christ came into my life and my marriage with Shauna, we had a lot of chaos. But I can testify that God has brought a lot more peace into our marriage because of his power. Are you with me? So, so she says, um, the, moon reli- uh, the moon reliably follows a, a cycli- cyclical pattern. The planets all orbit in an established orderly way. Seasons come and go in an arranged and expected fashion. Such order in the universe is not an accident, but rather reflects the creator. Just as all creation is ordered, so also is the creator a god of order. He did not create a universe that is chaotic or haphazard. Scientists can observe different elements of the universe and discern patterns and laws in in nature because of the orderliness that the Lord placed within creation. He did not create an orderly and perfectly arranged creation out of curiosity or for the mere fun of it, but rather such a creation reflects his character. And, and, and so the creation accounts tells me that the, the more I walk with Christ, the more he brings order into my life. Someone say amen if you believe that. If your life has been a mess and you've given your life to Jesus, you can be sure that he is able to restore the chaos and rearrange the messes. Here's the third takeaway, okay? The six days of creation reveal that God is a God who produces good things. We serve a good God. In verse 10 of Genesis 1, God called the dry ground land and the water seas, and God saw that it was good. And and you know what I notice about this is that God appraises his handiwork. In other words, he takes a step back and he said, this is good. And I've got to believe this about my life. I've got to believe that God takes a step back and he says, James Reese, you're a work in progress, but... Thank, thank myself, God is saying, I'm working with you. Thank God he's working with you. He, you're, he, you're not who you used to be, right? Because he does good things. Uh, verse 11 and 12, God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of God, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, of, of seed-bearing plant and the trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and and trees from which they came. That's important right there. It's put in your pocket. Kinds of plants and trees. In other words, God is, he, he, he has uh, community and diversity. And, and that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants, and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and, and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Same thing in verse 21. God created sea, uh, great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the waters and every sort of bird and each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And we still have people that go to Yosemite and they're driving down a road and they see the, 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 you know, the bison come up and they see the, you know, we go to the White Mountains, we see the elk come up and we'll say, wow, that's amazing. It is good. We see in verse 24 and 25, God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal and each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and wild animals, and that is what happened. And 
God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was, it was good. How many of you have horses? You ride your horses, yeah. You got pets. I'll tell you right now that Aspen and Kobe Bean, our dogs, they're good. They listen better than our children did. But check this out. Check this out. This is so beautiful right here. So God does good things. And no matter what the devil tries to throw our way, the Bible gives me a promise that it doesn't matter what happens in my life, that God will turn it around for good. Romans chapter 8 is talking about us getting closer and yearning. Our spirit is yearning to be with God forever. It talks about the, the creation, the, the, the plants. They're groaning because they want to be restored so that they won't die anymore, so there won't be no more, no more thorns and, 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 and pricking people and, and hurting people. But, but this is what it says in, in Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That takes me back to the creation account that what God touches will always turn out to be good. No matter what you are going through right now, there's a promise from God Almighty, the creator and sustainer of life, that if he touches your life, he will turn it into good. If you're praying for family, if you're believing for miracles, the God that we serve will turn it into good. I'll close with this last uh, takeaway. And that is that the six days of creation revealed that God is a God of diversity and community. Right? I say this all the time. I love Living Word Chapel because we're a very diverse church different colors of ethnicity, definitely different flavors in, in who we like to win the Super Bowl. Even some of you are thinking there's dogs playing there. There's no dogs playing in the Super Bowl. The Cleveland Browns stayed home, bro. Dog pets. So, so God said let, let the, the land sprout the vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. What's it teaching us right there? It's teaching us that there's diversity. Don't we love that? You can choose an apple or you can choose an orange. You can choose a peach or you can choose an apricot. You can choose cauliflower or you can choose broccoli. And then verse 26 through 28 in chapter 1, God said, let us make humans in our image to be like us. There's community right there. See, see, you need to know this. This is so important for us because God doesn't need people to be in community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, perfect, perfect community, perfect unity. Are you with me? He says, let, let us make humans to be like us. Uh, they will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, uh, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small things that scurry along the ground. So God created humans in his own image. In the image of God, he created, say it with me, them. He created them male and female. In other words, God's not confused about gender. We're going to go there later on, but just press pause for now because... God's not confused about gender. People are because people are taking God out of their foundation. If you got God as your foundation, there's no confusion. Then God blessed them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And everyone that's married say, yes. Say it. Yes. God knows what he's doing. Fill the earth and govern it. What is the earth going to do with a lot of Reese's? Oh, my goodness. 
reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So what, what do I see there? I see a lot of diversity, and I see community. Amen? Look at what Psalm 104 says. I'm almost done. Oh, Lord, what a variety of things that you have made. Diversity. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the ocean, vast and wide, teeming with life of every kind, both large and small. I love, I love what uh, uh, Jeff uh, Zwierink puts in, uh, in his, his commentary on Genesis. I'm going to close with this. It says, human beings reflect the triune nature by being one essence human in two parts, male and female. And the first charge given to humanity required relationship, namely be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And just as God is relational in his essence, relationship is baked into human nature. Some of the more intriguing results derived from the study relate to emotional and physical health in old age. One paper found that more time spent with others correlated with greater health and happiness. Simply put, we are better together. So yesterday we had about 90 of us from Living Word Chapel that went to go and, and, uh, and, and serve at a, uh, at a campaign where they wanted to feed 1.4 million people around the world. Kids. We had 90 of us that went there, which meant we're, there was community and we're better together. And guess what? When we were there, they were right under the goal and right close to the end of us serving, putting meals together in these different boxes, we met the goal. Amen. Living Word Chapel was a part of that. Yes. 1.4 million people will have a meal to eat. But we're not done. Because of generosity, because of, of what, you, what you guys have, have given, we're going to send a generosity monetary fund to them so that that we're going to give a thousand dollars to them and where's uh where's brian is brian here because he, you told me how many so the there's there's so many people that will be fed for um for one for a thousand dollars and we're going to send that as well i don't have that number brian had it and so can i tell you we're better together and we're made for community and we're made for diversity you're not made to just stay in San Manuel and hang out with San Manuel people. You're not made to be from Oracle and just hang out with Oracle people. You're certainly not made to be from Saddlebrook and live with Saddlebrook people. God forbid that. We're made for all of us to intertwine with each other and become the, the kingdom of God. Amen? And to do things for God's glory. Yeah, that's all of us that were there. So it's Super Bowl Sunday. But more than that, we have a super God that we serve. Amen. And he's worthy of all praise, and he's worthy of all glory. Let me pray a blessing over you as we celebrate this Lord's Day today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that, that you speak to us as your people. Thank you, Father, that you are the foundation of, of, of the cosmos. And, Lord, you're not shaken when problems occur. And, Father, you turn things into good. Everything you touch is good. And so I just pray your blessing upon every individual here, every couple here, every family here, that they will leave this place with their heads lifted high, knowing that you are in control. We trust you for that, and we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. 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 Stan, let's sing this song together. Lord of creation, God of wonders, you are holy, holy. Bless your name. Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and 
you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.